For this episode of Metaphors Be With You, we'll be talking about pain and maimings. So, you know, get ready to laugh. Hi, I'm Rob Hyard of Chipperish Media, and this is a podcast about symbolism and allegory in Star Wars. The movies, the TV shows, the books, and everything else. Each episode, I'll take a topic and apply it across whatever Star Wars media seems most appropriate. As far as I'm concerned, one of the weirdest recurring motifs in Star Wars is the loss of limbs. It happens all the time, at least in the first six movies. Let's briefly recap in chronological order. 3PO has his arm torn off by Tusken Raiders. Ponda Baba, the alien bullying Luke in the cantina, loses his arm to Obi-Wan. Luke cuts an arm off the Wampa, the abominable snowman thing that attacks him on Hoth. 3PO is completely dismembered by the Ugnaughts on Cloud City. Luke loses his hand to Darth Vader on Cloud City. 3PO has his eye plucked up by Salacious B. Crumb on Jabba's sail barge. Luke cuts off Vader's hand in their final duel on the second Death Star. Darth Maul gets cut in half by Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan cuts off Zam Wessel's arm in the bar on Coruscant. Obi-Wan cuts off two legs from the Ackley, the bug-like arena monster on Geonosis. Count Dooku cuts off Anakin's hand and part of his forearm on Geonosis. Anakin returns the favor with interest by cutting off both of Dooku's hands and then his head. General Grievous loses two of his four hands to Obi-Wan, who just maims enemies like it's his job. Mace Windu loses an arm to Anakin in Palpatine's throne room. Obi-Wan, grand champion limb lopper of the galaxy, cuts off Anakin's remaining arm and both legs. What I find interesting about that list, besides the fact that Obi-Wan is obviously all about cutting things off his opponents, is that he seems to be trying to top himself, eventually getting bored with cutting off a single limb at a time and going for showier and showier maimings. Or maybe it's like an addict needing bigger and bigger hits to get the same high. But here's the thing, and you're not going to hear me say this a lot on this show. I think most of those don't mean much. When asked about why so many limbs get cut off in Star Wars, Lucas once shrugged and said, that's what happens when you play with swords. And while that's kind of a flip answer, I think Lucas really was just using it as a device to decisively end various conflicts in a way that doesn't rely on outright killing. Lucas is also fond of the recurring beat in Star Wars, which is why you get certain lines repeated in different situations. I've got a bad feeling about this, for example. So I think maybe Obi-Wan keeps cutting off limbs because it was always part of his and Vader's story, that Obi-Wan was responsible for Vader's condition. Obi-Wan is essentially the platonic ideal of the Jedi Knight in the first six movies, since he embodies the concept to us originally, and then goes on to be the primary protagonist of the prequels. He therefore winds up demonstrating for us how the Jedi operated. And I imagine if your most famous symbol is a sword that can cut through anything, but you prefer not to kill, cutting off your opponent's weapon hand is probably going to be a go-to solution a lot of the time. This is a bit less horrible than it seems at first, because prosthetic limbs in the Star Wars universe seem to be quite good, at least by Luke's time. So a lot of these I don't think mean much, except to establish that Jedi mean business, even if they don't rush to killing. But some of them clearly do. When Luke cuts off Vader's hand, exposing the mechanical bits, then looks down at his own artificial hand, we're clearly intended to draw the connection that he has become like Vader, in part due to the loss of his self, represented by his bodily integrity. Since the Force is created by life, it makes intuitive sense that replacing part of your body with a machine could lessen your connection to it. In addition, I think perhaps the pain of such a traumatic injury can make one more open to the dark side. Consider the Luke-Vader duel in The Empire Strikes Back. Now on the one hand, zing! Vader wants to finish the fight without killing Luke, because he's got this whole recruitment speech to give, so cutting off Luke's hand is tactically wise for the same reason Obi-Wan does it. But I wonder if there's a side benefit, which Vader would be aware of from his own limb loss experiences, that the physical pain leaves the victim more open to exploitation by their anger, fear, etc., it seems significant to me that after their confrontation on Cloud City, Luke is open to telepathic contact from Vader, 
who he immediately and instinctively addresses as father, after denying that it could be possible earlier. Star Wars media also seem to associate pain and lack of bodily integrity with villainy, in a way that I kind of suspect is ableist, but don't feel qualified to comment on. In Rogue One, Saw Gerrera's darkest moments are preceded by him taking a deep breath out of his oxygen mask, in a way that seems very reflective of Darth Vader. Saw, of course, is also maimed in several ways, but with lower-tech prosthetics than Vader or Luke get. The original Jendi Tartofsky Clone Wars cartoon also had a great scene where Anakin goes through his version of Luke's trial in the cave on Dagobah. In it, we see a cave painting come to life, showing a peaceful village threatened by some sort of abstract monster, and a young hero goes to fight it. The hero wins, but loses his arm in the process, growing a new arm afterward that looks like the abstract monster. He uses the great power of his new arm, which gets bigger and bigger, to defeat all sorts of other creatures, but eventually the arm gets so big that it overwhelms the scene, briefly turning into Darth Vader's mask at the end. The implication is pretty clear that the dark side can worm its way into your heart if your bodily integrity is compromised. There's also an intriguing scene in the no longer canonical novel Shadows of the Empire, in which Vader is trying to use the Force to heal his injuries so he can breathe normally and such. He concentrates on how much he hates Obi-Wan and the injustice of his situation, and he can start to feel his body reconstructing itself. But then the relief of that feeling washes the negative emotions away, and he loses his dark side strength, undoing the healing. The dark side cannot actually fix you, at least not for the long term. So Darth Vader lost his remaining limbs and was severely burned, but he also received fairly prompt medical attention and had a new body built for him by Palpatine. What happened to Darth Maul is just infinitely weirder. If you saw Solo, but don't follow other Star Wars media, you may have wondered how Maul was alive, and the internet was there for you, with dozens of brief recaps of the Clone Wars arc that brought him back into the narrative. But none of them, as far as I know, tried to examine the symbolism of that arc, so I'm going to do it here. Before becoming Palpatine's apprentice, Maul came from probably the third most developed Force tradition in Star Wars, after the Jedi and Sith, the Night Sisters. This is a matriarchal dark side tradition that is heavily influenced by our least sympathetic conceptions of witches and witchcraft. This will be important in a minute. So, in brief, after Maul was cut in half, his torso managed to maneuver itself into a garbage receptacle, and he was shipped off to a junkyard planet called Lotho Minor. He's found there years later by his brother, Savage Opress, pretty mentally damaged and with a robotic lower half that looks like a giant spider. He doesn't remember much, except that he hates Kenobi. Savage brings Maul to Mother Talzin, the leader of the Night Sisters who uses ritual magic to simultaneously clear the metaphorical spiders out of Maul's mind and the literal one attached to his waist, magically building him a new pair of cybernetic legs from broken battle droids. Note that these new legs look like robot goat legs because Maul didn't already look enough like the devil. So the first thing that jumps out at me about this is that no one addresses how Maul wound up with a giant spider body. It's cool and scary as hell, but I just don't understand where it came from. Maybe Maul made it himself before losing his mind? but left unaddressed is why he chose to shape it like a giant spider, especially since that took extra parts compared to just a pair of regular legs. But we here at Metaphors Be With You are less concerned with how something happened than why it happened. Obviously, the creators of the show wanted Maul to go through these transformations, so it's up to us to theorize as to why. First of all, the Night Sisters' whole deal pushes Star Wars really far into the fantasy space. This arc of episodes includes magical chanting, some voodoo-inspired sympathetic magic, and literal zombies, so we should definitely be looking at Maul's transformation to Spider, Centaur, Cyborg as a magical and symbolic event, not a technological one. So if there's a connection between loss of bodily integrity and the dark side, presumably losing your whole lower half counts as a pretty major step to the dark. But Darth Maul was already a Sith Lord, and there's not a lot of real estate left for him within the Overton window of good and evil. So when Savage finds him, 
he has reverted to an animalistic state mentally, and the body he's given reflects that. When Mother Talzin repairs his mind, in a fascinating scene where she's shown magically pulling dark clouds out of his head, she replaces the spider body with goat legs, because linking him to the devil is a way to illustrate that he's yet more evil than he was as a Sith Lord. It's also interesting to me that, despite the fact this is technically a surgery replacing one set of prosthetics with another, the transformation is very much depicted as magic. So while maybe Darth Vader lost some of his remarkable force connection when he was injured, this new body of Maul's might be steeped in enough Night Sister magic to keep him at least as connected as he was when he was whole. As an additional bit of evidence for this theory, there's a point when Maul is injured in one of his robot legs and bleeds a green mist that looks just like Night Sister magic. Obviously, the most extreme example of a Star Wars character having lost bodily integrity, even more extreme than Vader, is General Grievous. By the time we meet Grievous, he is apparently just a sack of organs and eyeballs in a mechanical body. He also coughs a lot, which I think is primarily intended to help us understand when we first meet him that he's not all robot, but also foreshadows Vader's creepy breathing. In fact, it's pretty trivial to argue that the whole character of General Grievous is designed to foreshadow Darth Vader to us, since he's indubitably more machine now than man, twisted and evil. And man, is he evil. You kind of have to work to stand out in the villainous arts in Star Wars. But I like that Grievous gives us a new flavor of it, with his collection of lightsabers stolen from dead Jedi, and his complete cowardice, running the second he doesn't have an overwhelming advantage. I said at the beginning that this limb loss thing is mostly a function of the first six movies, and that's true. But it certainly seems noteworthy that Luke in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi has a much more robot-looking artificial hand than his original one, perhaps foreshadowing his fall from legendary heroism. You'll also notice, if you watch the duel between Kylo and Luke's Force projection at the end, that Luke is projecting a tasteful brown glove over his artificial hand, and the camera never focuses on it the way it does in the other scenes. Beyond that one legacy lost limb, I can't actually think of any other maimings in the Disney era of Star Wars. I suppose you could make an argument for what happens to L337, but that's part of a set of injuries that also kills her and then condemns her to her own personal hell, and maybe we'll talk more about that in a future episode. So that's what I've found about bodily integrity and evil in Star Wars. If I missed something, perhaps due to some missing body part I haven't noticed, talk to me on Twitter at rhyrit or come to the Chipperish forums if you'd like to have a conversation longer. If you'd like to support my work and the other great podcasts here at Chipperish, head to our Patreon page and chip in a dollar a month or whatever you can afford, and patrons access a whole new way of talking to each other and the Chipperish hosts through our Discord channel. You can also support any podcast you love by leaving a glowing review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening, and metaphors be with you. Mm-hmm.